Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Whether you're looking for a good Korean skincare or affordable and trendy jewelry, they've got you covered. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Trials to Triumphs. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherson Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. This week, Emmy-nominated host, comedian, and actress Nicole Byer talks to me about gratitude and authenticity in her craft. Nicole knows better than anyone how subjective comedy can be, but she's always trusted her brand of funny. Throughout her career, Nicole's learned that while she'll never be everyone's cup of tea, there is power in being unapologetically yourself. That relentless spirit has served Nicole in multiple ways, and she has so much gratitude for how far she's come. I am so lucky that I was at the right place at the right time because a lot of people just can't get to the right place at the right time who are so talented and who do have gifts to show people. I'm lucky that I was in New York at the time I was in New York. I'm lucky I moved to L.A. the time I moved to L.A. Like, things just really happened for me in a way that, like, is kind of wild. Hi, Nicole. Hi, hi, hi. (laughs) Welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I want to dig in, Nicole. You know, well, actually, okay, we're going to start with Tell us how we met. Tell the audience how we met, if you could, please. We met on Grand Cru. Mm-hmm. And we met in the makeup trailer. And I feel like I was like, are you wearing makeup currently? And you were like, no, we haven't gone. No, I just got here. And I was like, your skin is flawless. You have great skin. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, we met in the makeup trailer. And... You know, we just kind of hit it off and then we would talk, you know, in between scenes and you were mm-hmm. very, you, here's the thing. I, I want everybody to know this. I've worked in a lot of shows. I worked with a lot of casts and, you know, when you're coming in as a guest star, like, you know, you were there to like help move the series regulars stories further like that. You, you know, mm-hmm. you are, you're a guest very much so. And you know, Grand Crew is one of the shows, but one that really sticks out for me where you all treated me like family from day one. And I didn't feel like a guest ever. I felt so embraced and loved and truly a part of a family. And, you know, it's very much so an ensemble cast. It's all about like these friends. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, every time I get a chance to tell one of you that I try because it's always stayed with me. It's something I really appreciate. And um, I'll always remember it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I feel like 
I mean, that show is one of my favorite jobs. I am very sad that it was canceled. I know. Ugh. But uh, I'm grateful for the time that I had. But that was like one of the things I loved the most. Like we were instantly family. And I knew some of the boys before. But Gracie, I did not know. And truly, just like, <sighs> and I didn't know um, Justin. But after like the first day working, we were just like, I don't know, like a family. It was just yeah. it was just really nice and sweet and it doesn't happen often. I know. It's okay. We'll do something else. It's fine. But I mean it I sucks. Hope so. When like good shows get canceled, it like grinds my gears. It just stresses me out and I get upset about it. So um yeah, but here's to Grand Crew. To Grand Crew. Yes. All right, Nicole, we're gonna start with some icebreaker questions. Are you down? Down, down, down. Okay. If you could have starred in a 90s sitcom, which show would it be and why? Absolutely Living Single. It is (laughs) such a funny show. I mean, I don't know what part I would play, but I just loved those women. I loved Mm. that the men were so, not inferior or subordinate, but like the women really took it to the next level. And they were all so funny. Funny, <laughs> and the men supported them in a way that you didn't, you don't see often. Yeah, and I just love, like, I read recently that Queen Latifah was like the network asked them to lose weight, and she was like, "No, this is mm. what this is what we look like. This is mm. what women out there look like," and that made me so happy because as a kid watching it, it never dawned on me that they should lose weight. And it never dawned on me that they looked different than the other people on TV. I was like, these are just, these were women. The people in the world, funny. around you yes. in the world. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes. And I, I just, I love that show. Yeah. I, <laughs> I got to work with Erica Alexander on Run the I'm World. I'm so jealous. She's hilarious. Like, so funny. I, she, she might be getting funnier as the years go on like it was to the point where I just was like in awe of the things that just the the improv she was doing on set like mm-hmm. the the levity she brought to, to everything it just was really it was one of those moments where I was like I'm standing across from Erica Alexander wow like just hilarious it's such a great show that's a good one and I can Very see you nice. in that one that's a good one I can see you in it thank you Nicole let's start at the beginning okay so what did New Jersey give you? I don't know if I've ever been asked that question before. What did New Jersey give me? Mm. New Jersey gave me New York City. Uh, I was an hour away from the city. I got to see a lot of Broadway shows in high school. Um, I was just exposed to a lot of like, you know, gay people and uh, people who weren't like me. Uh, so I, yeah, I think New Jersey gave me a a, uh, a bridge, literally, and or a tunnel to this like creative mecca that was New York. Mm. Do you who who was the person that you have the earliest memory of being like inspired by? Being like, ooh, I want to do that. Probably Whoopi Goldberg. I saw her one woman show. I think it was just called Whoopi. Maybe not. I don't know, but it was at the, I think it was at the Lyceum on Broadway. It was the revival of her show. And it was a one woman show. So it was just her on stage. Um, there was like dramatic things, funny things. 
uh, angry. Th- it was just so many different emotions she took you through. And I was like, oh, my- that. I want to do that. I want to be able to be like a, a singular powerful thing that people could come see and be transported somewhere. It was so good. How old were you? Mm, I think I was in high school or maybe my first year of like school. So it was either 17, 18 or 19. One of those mm. ages. Okay. So what was your childhood like then? Like, what were you, were you exploring these parts of yourself before that? And then like seeing Whoopi kind of connected that dot? So I wasn't like, uh, I wasn't into theater or acting (laughs) or anything like that as a kid. I did a lot of like gymnastics and dance. I do remember being the lead of my tap recital. We did Hit the Road Jack and I was Jack. So I had a different outfit and all the girls were like, get out of here. And I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> and I have a distinct memory of being like, I am the star. OK, mm. I am Jack. They're asking me to leave. But there's a reason because I'm a star and they, they can't shine without me or they can shine harder without me there. Um, but that's like my first memory of performing. And then in high school is when I truly started performing my sophomore year was the first play I was in where I had a funny scene and when the audience like erupted I was like oh my god Mm. this is like crack this feels good yeah and it has never not felt good do you know what I mean Mm. I there's no time I've ever been on stage where the audience laughs and I don't feel some type of like not even validation but I'm just like yeah this is exactly where I need to be Mm. Yeah, I heard once, I forgot who said it, but they were like, uh, you know, in in reference to like being an actor, being on stage, being in front of the camera, that I think it was specifically about being on stage, like in theater, that like the moment you stop getting butterflies, like even just a little bit before you go out, then like something's changed in mm-hmm. regards to like your relationship with with your artistry and mm-hmm. you know i at first i heard that and i was like i'm i'm not like i'm not a i'm not someone who gets nervous necessarily before i'm going out on stage or like gets cold feet or like clammy and so i thought it didn't apply to me but there is a special feeling before they're like all right like pictures up or you know mm-hmm. before they're like all right we're, we're you know right before the curtains go up there is a it's not a nervousness but there's a if something's percolating inside, right? It, it's yes. all connecting. It feels right. It feels like I'm in the right place. I'm excited to do it. And I'm just grateful that I still have that feeling. And it sounds like you still have that feeling too. Oh, I'll never, every time I got to drive on the Universal lot mm. for Grand Crew, and then we were at Paramount the first year, every time I drove through, I'd be like, I get to work at a studio. Yeah. I get to, like, Like, I think at Paramount, we were on the same soundstage that Ghost was filmed on. Mm -hmm. I was like, I get to step where Patrick Swayze stepped. Like, starting my day felt incredible. Mm. And then every time they'd be like, picture, like, yeah, it, it just, it feels... Like, the butterflies were heavy the very first day. And then mm-hmm. as, like, the season rolls on, it's like, it doesn't go away. It's it's like, what new thing can we try? What can we improvise here? What can we work out together as a scene partner? Like, it's it's just, it's so collaborative and it's so fun. And then when someone says something, we all break. It's like, <laughs> that's magic. And 
I will say when I'm guest starring or recurring somewhere or coming in for a day, those butterflies are huge because I'm like, you chose me out of everyone you saw or it was just an offer, which means you you didn't even try anybody. Yeah. You know, what I'm hearing, Nicole, is you're talking a lot about gratitude. Like, that's what I'm hearing. You know, when you're you know, on the Paramount lot and, you know, you're just look. you're excited every time you're in the, the golf cart riding around and, you know, you, <laughs> it, it hasn't gotten old to you. And so is, is gratitude, are you, do you have like a very conscious gratitude practice in your life? Um, is it, is it, you know, partly just because like, you know, what the struggle has been, you know, to kind of get to where you are, the journey rather? I don't know if I'm super conscious of how, how much gratitude I have for what I get to do. I just know I'm so lucky that mm. I enjoy my job and I am so lucky that I was at the right place at the right time because a lot of people just can't get to the right place at the right time who are so talented yeah. and who do have gifts to show people. Um, I'm just really, really, truly, I was lucky that I started UCB at the time I started it. Mm. I'm lucky that I was in New York at the time I was in New York. I'm lucky I moved to LA the time I moved to LA. Like things just really happened for me in a way that like is kind of wild. Like my, my friend, she recently said, she was like, how did you get your first agent? And I was like, I took a class through UCB where Mm. it was with a commercial casting director. And then at the end we wrote our own commercials and then uh, an agent came and watched us do these commercials that we wrote. I wrote mine. I still have it. <laughs> I was cleaning out my desk and I just reread it. It's wild. I wrote a, a commercial for, I think, hot dogs. And I started this off with, I love hot, salty meat sliding down my throat. <laughs> no, you didn't, Nicole. No, you didn't. And and then like <sighs> added, I was like, oh, with a nasty little or something, something about like a bun. Like it was just very sexual. And then uh, I was not signed on the spot. <laughs> Better story <laughs> if I was. But like a couple months later, she was like, I cannot stop thinking about that commercial and how funny you were. Um, I would love to work with you. Her name is um, Maura Maloney. And she was my mm. very first commercial agent. And w- we worked together for a while. And when I tell people that story, they're like, so you wrote a you wrote a, com- a fake commercial about meat sliding down your throat and you got work from it. <laughs> Wild. And I was like, you know what? I've always been true to my brand. <laughs> mm, true to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, write what you think is funny. Perform what you, what you think is funny or what you think is good or what you think is powerful. You cannot tailor it hoping people will like it. Mm. You have to tailor it to yourself. Yeah, because that's the way it resonates with the people mm-hmm. it needs to resonate with. If it's not if it's not authentically coming out of you or from you, then mm-hmm. it's not going to land on the people you want it to land on in an authentic and genuine way. So it, then it's exactly. kind of all a waste of time, right? Mm-hmm. So like, yes, yeah, like, you're, who are you doing this for? Yeah, your commercial was ridiculous, but <laughs> what? <laughs> but what the agent saw was you. So mm-hmm. it was, she was able to like you, and ultimately, it's always you that gets mm-hmm. the opportunities. You know, it's not necessarily what was on the page. Yeah. No, that's no, no, no. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. Who are some people early on in your life that like you remember got it? Or, and when I say got it, like, I mean, got you, like maybe saw like, okay, Nicole's got a little something, something going on with her. I mean, my mother, my mother Mm -hmm. was like, she's the one who pushed me to do theater in school. Um, she was just like, you talk a lot, like go talk on a stage. 
Um, and I, she came and saw my first show and like someone was complimenting me and, and my mother literally was like, well, if you thought she was funny today, you should have seen her yesterday. She was even better. And I was like, yeah, I see what you're doing, but like, just let me, let me have it, please. Um, but yeah, my mom, my dad eventually got on board. Um, uh, my friend Sashir, uh, mm. she and I work together on a lot of things. We also do a podcast together. Um, we were we wrote um, a web series. I said to her, I was like, I want to do a web series that's like kind of like this. Um, I just I don't I'm not really a writer. And mm. she was like, Don't say that. I was like, What do you mean? She was like, The idea you're telling me that's you wrote it. Like you're telling me with your mouth, but like if you wrote that down, you wrote it. Mm. And I was like, Oh. Okay, so I didn't really write our first season. I kind of like edited what she wrote and like pitched jokes on it or like gave her ideas here and there. And then our second season, I like wrote a couple of them. And then she's like, yeah, don't ever say you're not a writer. And I was like, okay. Then we wrote a movie together and I wrote the first draft and then she wrote it for people to read it. So like, <laughs> yes. like she would just add the details. But she was like, yeah, don't say you're not a writer. You just, you do broad strokes and then maybe someone needs to come in and do the finer details or you just take your time and really, you know, go through it. But she's like, don't say that. And that was like uh, a real turning point for me. Cause like when I started doing stand up, I was like, well, I'm not really a writer. Like I don't tell jokes. I don't, I just tell stories, but it's like, yeah, but like the beginning, the middle, the end with jokes in the middle that you're writing. That's yeah. writing. Um, so, yeah, now I don't limit myself. I'm like, yes, I'm also a writer, even though I do have a little bit of imposter syndrome about it still. But mm. it's like, yes, I write. I love that. It's so oh gosh, we talk about it so much on this pod. But like having the right friends is ev mm -hmm. it's everything in life. But especially I feel like in the entertainment industry. Like it's, I think people forget sometimes that we are in an industry where like 99.9% .9 of the time, we're just getting rejected. Like yeah. people are saying no, people mm -hmm. are saying they don't get it. They don't see it. They don't want it. They don't, I mean, just all of the things. And so to have a friend in your life that like sees the things in you that like you're trying to bring out of yourself and and she sees them so easily and in such clear plain view is everything and it and it's it's life-changing and I'm just so grateful and happy that you have that and I'm happy that I have that too because so many people don't Nicole a lot of people don't yeah. and we get that question a lot like on best friends it's like well how do you get a best friend or how do you make a friend and I was like I mean, I just started doing something. I loved I loved performing. I loved comedy. So I went to a place where I could perform comedy. And then I met somebody else who loved what I loved. And then we just have a lot of like similar sensibilities. It's very people think we're very different, but we are so similar. It's and then also maybe like in reality, more of the other person of what people publicly think the other person is like. Mm -hmm. It's uh, yeah, I just I'm very lucky that I found her. She's truly like, I don't know, God sent. It's like, yeah, like the Lord sent me the person I needed because she's my person. Yeah. You know, and she said to me once she was like, I read a book. It's called The Relationship Elevator. And it says that like romantic relationships don't have to be the most important relationship. And she was like, I think our relationship's mm. the most important. And I was like, mine too. <laughs> yeah. She like, she means the world to me. Like, uh, mm. and 
I, I, I hope everyone has at least one person like that in their life. Yes. Okay, so I want to ask, you said your dad eventually came on board. Mm-hmm. What did that look like? What did, like, the not on board the ship look like? And, and how did he eventually get on board? I mean... He just kept trying to push me in like a direct. He wanted me to go to like Rutgers, which is like the state university. And I was like, I must go to the city. He wanted me to, you know, like math, like science. Mm -hmm. He was an engineer. So he wanted me to, you know, do that. And I was like, no, thank you. I want to I want, I want to be a thespian. Um, and then after school, he wanted me to come back to Jersey and like, uh, not stay in the city with no plan and i was like i'm staying um i don't have a plan and he sent me this like it was like a job listing for a, a girl calling the numbers for the lotto and then he was like why don't you could do this here's a job for you and i was like oh my god he thinks i could pull <laughs> numbers i mean i didn't go to school for that but uh, you seem to like be okay with like I'm choosing this and I'm not going to choose anything else. Is there like a, a lesson that your dad maybe taught you or an experience you had with your dad that like has always stayed with you and your mom too? Uh, <laughs> my dad was like, always make money. Mm. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I could be in the city I can have $500 a month rent, but I have to figure out how to make money. How do I make money? So, you know, you you just got to, like, figure it out. So, like, I'm, I've always been good at, like, little jobs here, little jobs there, doing a 100 things at once to try to, like, pay my mm. rent. Uh, am I a good waitress? No, but I made a lot of money waitressing. Um, was I good at working a front desk? No, but I also babysat on top of that and, you know, started coaching improv. Was I good at that? Absolutely not. I had no idea how to make people funny. I knew that I could say the same thing they said and make it funny, but I didn't know how to make them funny. Mm. I'd be like, oh, hey, yeah, you fake it till you make it. You do the so yeah, my dad always said, don't, don't, don't not make money, make money. So mm. that was an important lesson to learn. Yeah. What about your mom? What's something that like has stayed with you? Something she's given you that stayed? She was a pretty lighthearted person and she believed in people and she was a very loyal person and mm. I'm pretty loyal to a fault. Like I will truly let you push me right down the stairs and I'll be like, you didn't mean it, did you? As I watch you push me. Um, mm. But I do think being loyal is a good thing i take it a little too far but that is something that i i got from her mm, that's beautiful that's i mean it's a great quality and listen you got to make this money okay bills got to get gotta paid yeah get that's real like it sounds like he kind of gave you a hustler spirit especially as an artist like you never know what's gonna happen so you gotta have multiple streams of income mm -hmm. coming in so that you're not just relying on one thing and not only one thing but something that's incredibly unreliable. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. It's just. I was also really stubborn. I never wanted him to like, because he did well. Um, I grew up upper middle or middle class. I don't know, um, which has been eviscerated by this economy. But uh, yeah. I grew up in a in a nice. Uh, we weren't rich by any like we drove on our family trips. So like we weren't rich. Mm -hmm. um, but he did. He he. It was like 
if I needed it, he would give it to me. But I was so stubborn that I was like, you don't think I can make it in New York on my own? I'll show you. Mm. And that really gave me a hustler mentality because he was like, make money. And then I was also like, I'll make money and you won't help me. Mm. I will have a thousand jobs and I will be up all night and I will do this and I will perform. Uh, Yeah. Do you feel now that you're older and like have a very established career, do you still have that same type of spirit or are you kind of pulling back on it? Are you still like in the like, I want to have a, a thousand jobs, losing sleep, I'm tired, but I'm working, I got money in the bank? Um, I'm so lucky that I don't have to hustle as hard, mm. uh, that I do have like a safety cushion. Um, but I do like podcasting, which is why I do it so much. Um, I love acting. That is like my joy. That's my heart. So when I get to do that, I feel so grateful. And then I do love stand up. Like I genuinely love all of the things that I do. So it's not a matter of like, got to keep the hustle going. It just happens to be a good hustle. Mm. Um, but I also get to do exactly what I love and I can take a break from any of them at any time. And like I'm I'm at the point where I don't have to do anything I don't want to, which is really, really incredible. It was a hard thing to understand to be like, oh, I can say no mm. or I can say yes to this thing that pays me two dollars. But like I believe in and I think it's great. Um, so I think the mentality right now is like, is it fun? Will I like it? Do I like the people? Um do I get to go somewhere fun? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> That's real. Yeah. Love a trip. Love a trip. Love a nice little paid for trip. Love a job business that'll take class. you on a trip in business class and get your okay. points. Okay. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So what? Okay, Nicole, paint the picture for me. What was going on in your life, and who was Nicole before she moved to LA? Who was Nicole before she moved to LA? Nicole was. Um, in her early 20s, I was performing at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Um, I was also in their touring company, so I would go to colleges and perform improv. Um, I had done a very bit part on 30 Rock uh, in the like a tag of an episode. So not even in the episode, it was a tag, but it was my mm. first job. The crew was laughing. Tina laughed. Like I felt so you couldn't tell me nothing i was like i'm on fire um and uh late night was really the only thing 30 rock and girls and i feel like uh, that was kind of it for like the new york comedies um but i was like having fun i was having like a good time performing hanging out with sashir working at the ucb babysitting uh drinking uh <laughs> uh truly just like I had the best early, like I had the best time in New York. I loved my time there. Um, I learned so much. I had so much fun. I met some of the funniest, greatest people I'll ever meet in my whole life. Uh, Yeah, that was me before I moved to LA. And what made you decide to move to LA? My manager at the time was like, I think you gotta make a move. More stuff shoots in LA. And Mm. I had done a, I'd done maybe one or two pilot seasons in New York. And if you're listening and don't know what that is, it's just when all the pilots, the television shows that are new are filming their first episodes and they're casting and it could go, it could not go, whatever. Um, And I remember 
I had I oh I can't remember this woman's name. She was at ABC and it was an audition for Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. Mm. And I had done the audition and my manager at the time was like, that was too big. That was too broad. But they needed it like yesterday. So you can't redo it. And I was like, my God. (laughs) Also, I had no idea how to do a self tape. Like there was barely any instructions. Um, I didn't know how far away it was supposed to be. But then I ended up getting called in for it. And I was like, oh, well, Mm. I mean, that maybe it wasn't too big. And this casting director was like, do you get told that you are too big and broad? And I said, yeah, that's literally what my manager said. And then you called me in. And she was like, you are so big, so broad. And she was like, but I'm going to tell you, it is better to be big and broad than small and nothing. I can help you tone yourself down. I can help you take your performance down. It's so hard to get someone from a zero to a 10. You are you start at a 10 so I can bring you down to a five. And I was like, okay. And then she gave me some tips for self tapes and like what to do in the audition. So I don't start at a 10 that I can show them that I can go to a 10, but like keep a little bit of like quiet intensity. And I wish I could remember that woman's name. I will forever be grateful to her because, again, she saw something in me and was like, I got to let her know. I got because any like a a different casting director would have just been like, he doesn't Mm. know how to act for TV. No, 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 no. But this woman really like spent like an hour, hour and a half with me. And we made a tape. Didn't go anywhere. Didn't get it. But like, it's just it's in my memory going to 66 and Broadway, (laughs) I think is where they were located. Because I remember going to Barnes and Noble after. But uh yeah, very grateful for that woman. She mm. was really, really wonderful. So once you got to L.A., did you did you immediately like it in L.A.? Were you like, did yeah. you have a moment where you wanted to go back to New York? I wanted to go back to New York the minute I arrived in mm. Los Angeles. I said, this is for the birds. This place sucks. I hate it. This truly, these are not my people. Um, and then I had booked Girl Code. I auditioned, I think, a couple weeks before I left. Got Girl Code. Girl Code shot in New York because I guess New York is the only place with a green screen. And so they were flying me back and forth. So it was like, I didn't live in LA. I was back in New York all the time Mm. with all of my friends and all of those people. And I think that was for like two or three years. And then when I was like, oh, I live in LA after Girl Code, I was like, oh, okay. And then it just took a while to get used to. Mm, what do you what do you love about LA now that like in the beginning you were like oh, I can't get with this this is it's str- I'm struggling what do I love now I mean the sun I was like why is it so sunny all the time like mm. oh what am I supposed to be happy and smiling all the time <laughs> and then I was like you know you could be happy and smiling all the time you could do that um so now I just love the sun I love that it's sunny um I don't love how lonely you can feel, but then you just have to like, I don't know, poke yourself and be like, text a friend. Any mm. any friend of yours would be happy to hear from you. Yeah. And when you do text them, they are happy. So just you have to just remember to reach out to people. Mm. That's good. Yeah. I mean, you know, L.A. is so spread out because I hear people say this mm-hmm. a lot about like, the major difference between LA and New York. And I've never lived in New York, but I think it's just, just obviously people are just much closer together because, mm-hmm. because of, you know, we're in apartments and whatever. Um, but people are walking. You're, 
taking mm-hmm. the, the train, you know, you're just, there's, there's more human interaction, whether you want it or not. You're just, but I could easily stay in my house and like not see anybody for three weeks if I didn't want to. Yes. Not even someone yes. walking past my house, you know? So it can feel very yeah. isolating for sure. That's what I really had trouble with, but I also had a roommate, so we would just keep each other company. Um, but now I live alone. So now, now it's just like on me to be like, Text a f- if you want to see a person, text them. Because mm-hmm. you are right. It's like I could leave my house and take a twenty-minute walk and still not run into anybody, which is wild. And but the sun mm-hmm. is shining. It's sunny. It is. <laughs> it's sunny and nice. Get a little tan. Yeah. Okay. So you talked about when you were Jack in the tap performance. Mm-hmm. You talked about how like you knew you were like the star. Like you mm-hmm. felt it. You knew it. Um, have you, have you always felt that? Do you think that's something that's like really helped your career and like really helped the way people see you? Is it something that like, maybe you've had an experience where you started doubting yourself? I don't know. I mean, I think we all have doubts and I'm not Mm going to lie to you and say that I parade through life being like main character energy. I am a star every night. Like I like everybody else. I get like, oh, am I even funny? (laughs) Does Mm -hmm. Does a single person like me? But I also have like ADHD. And I think that was super helpful as a kid because I didn't I didn't really have time to think of what other people thought about me until someone said something, perhaps. So while I was Jack, you really couldn't tell me anything. But then maybe afterwards, if you said that wasn't actually that good, then I'd be like, oh, my God. They said it wasn't that good. But then I'd be like, "Mm, but I kind of remember that arabesque and I think they were just a little jealous and then i'll be like um can we get ice cream like i just didn't have time to like sit in things as a kid Mm. but but did that change i think the thing that happens with like those of us who are like start performing at a younger age the thing that changes is like we can kind of become more jaded like we live more Mm -hmm. life we have more rejection uh you know we end up being like, wait, people are really commenting on things that I feel very confident about. So have you had a moment, I guess, as an adult where that you can recall, like a specific moment maybe of where like it weighed on you in a way that maybe it it didn't used to and you recognize that it felt different now that you're older and have had more experience? I mean, other people's opinions of me are not my business and... I I don't know how I arrived there, but I mean, Girl Code was like the first thing where the public had an opinion about me. And a lot of people were like, her wig is trash. It was $30. So you're right. She's mm. not funny. I am not funny to everyone. No one is universally funny. You are right. She's fat. Yes, I am. So it's like nobody was, it was, they meant for it to be mean, But to me, I was like, you're telling the truth. (laughs) Mm. But to me, that wig looked okay. I looked in the mirror. I said, that's okay. And also the network maybe should have supplied me a a, a freshened up $30 synthetic wig. Um, So not my fault. Uh, Fat. Yeah, okay. Maybe I could change that, but I simply can't. It's already been shot. Not funny. That joke wasn't for you. Hopefully the next joke somebody else tells is for you. 
that opinion doesn't none of that bothers me because my check cleared Mm. so like why would i let that affect me and Throughout my whole career, I've truly just been like, if you don't think I'm funny, that is great. That is fine. I hope you find somebody who is funny to you, who might not be funny to me, because that's the way the world works. Not everything is about you for you. There's literally nothing you can say to me on social media, on Twitter, that like that is going to break my soul because I'm just going to like, what are you doing? Mm. I've never thought of you one time and you're trying to break me? Where? From where? Where are you? Are you are you doing anything that makes you happy? Are you doing anything of value to the world? No. This is good. This is good because that's a very tough quality to possess. Like to truly and 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 the thing is Nicole, like people will say what you're saying and not really mean it. But you're telling the truth. Like, you're telling the truth. I literally wrote a book called Hashtag Very Fat, Very Brave because people were like, you're brave for wearing a bikini. I was like, am I? Okay, well, I'll make a book about it. (laughs) Okay, whatever. Because truly, nobody is saying something you don't already know or it's just not true. Mm. If someone goes, you idiot, guess what? Sometimes you are an idiot. Sometimes people, you have dumb times. Is that person lying? No. Did it feel good? Maybe not. But also, why would you let it affect you? Like, I just really don't think anyone can tell you something that you already don't know that's true or just simply not true. And then you move on. Why would you let someone you don't know affect you? That's why? Real. That's real. And, you know, I think... I've thought about this because sometimes I can get affected by like things. I'm, I'm very, I'm emotional. I'm empathetic. I, I, I'm an empath. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I feel a lot, um, which I think is like a blessing a lot of times. And then sometimes it can mm-hmm. be cursing. You know, it feels like a curse. Um, but I think it's because it feels so foreign that I am intrigued by it. Like, how could someone have the audacity? to say something like this to somebody. It, the thing is too, it's not even me that, that I often mm-hmm. feel like. It's when I experience people saying it, I'm just like, where are people getting the, the this this energy from that they feel like they can say just whatever they want to somebody? Mm-hmm. It just, it really, but I wanna have more of the disposition that you have toward it because it can't, it can't bother me as much. Like these are, we don't even know these people. Like who mm-hmm. are they? Yeah. Who are they? What are they doing? Are they happy? Some I used to like retweet a lot of people because I was like, well, you you wanted me to see that you you wanted me to be affected by it. I'm not. But the least I can do is retweet it. So, you know, I saw it. Mm-hmm. I don't. Does that make you feel good? I don't know. But I do wish we lived in a world where people just moved on. They go, oh, I don't like that. And they don't stop to tell you because yeah. they wouldn't do that in life. I would die if some, if you were walking down the street and someone went, ma'am, your shirt looks like garbage. It looks like a baby puked on it. And I hope you die. Like <laughs> nobody, nobody would, would say that, that to no. your face. No. So that's like another thing you have to remember when you read comments that this person would never say it to your face. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't. They just wouldn't. That is a thing. Or people are just truly unhappy happiness yes. is although happiness is contagious it also mm-hmm. can be like a repellent to people yeah happiness makes people upset and yeah it's not my business if you're mad about mm. my nice life i love that nicole i needed that 
Nicole, what has been your takeaway from our conversation today? Oh, that you're just lovely. And <laughs> so um, yeah, I don't know. This was, it was nice. It was a nice conversation. Um, it felt like a nice way to spend an hour of my day. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just like lovely to reconnect with you. Yeah, I love, ditto. And, uh, you know, I think my takeaway is like, um, just like your your confidence. Like, I think it's it's very, it's real. And it and it's and it's you and it's infectious. And, you know, it's kind of like talking to you has been that reminder of like, Ashley, like own even more the essence of who you are. It's it's all you got. You know what I mean? And it's gotten you this far. So like, uh, look at how much further it can take you. So thank you for that reminder, Nicole. I needed it. I'm inspired by you in all of the ways. I mean, I, you're here as a guest on my podcast. You have four, though. So I'm like, OK, like. Yes, you know, you so many things that you're doing are things that um I'm really excited to also one day do in my career and you've always been so kind and so supportive so I'm just grateful to call you a friend. I feel like you are so confident. Like I feel like I don't know, you just have this like air of like confidence and like you feel like a real grown up and you seem responsible. Thank you. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I would like a little bit of that. I feel like I come off as a big kid and I don't know how to change that. But there's something beautiful and I think that's the thing like those things complement each other. You know what I mean? So we were drawn to each other and I want to be a little bit more childlike. I don't want to be adulting over here all the time. Like, you know, it's there's there's a beautiful balance in that. So thank you. Thank you for being wonderful. We did it, Nicole. You're the best. We did it. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by LWC Studios for OWN. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lantigua. Our managing producer is Fatima Al-Swifi. Shanice Tindall is our lead producer. Associate producer is Mona Hassan. Jordan Thompson is our marketing coordinator. This episode was mixed by Trin Lightburn. Michelle Baker is our video editor. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, and we hope you did, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and review wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you hear the next one.